0: But there's good news. God wants to speak to us. And he has given us a few ways to know when we're hearing him. In today's message, Pastor Dwayne will teach us how to recognize God's voice and how to walk with him through life, connected to his presence. Uh,
1: How do I know when God is speaking to me? And how do I know if I'm really being led to do something? And I'm going to take those two questions and kind of put a message together around both of those. So I want to start in Romans 8 and verse 14, which says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we are supposed to be led by the Spirit, not by our soul or by our flesh, but we're supposed to be led by the Spirit. Now, you could even look at that in two ways and say led by the Spirit of God, absolutely. But also, We want to walk in the spirit, the part of us that's been remade in Christ's nature. Now in Romans chapter 12, in the first two verses, we find what is like the foundation for Christian living in the new Testament. And these two verses are abs, they they are like, how can we say they're prerequisites for everything else. So let's go to Romans 12, verse one, beginning, uh, I've got the Amplified Translation that says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. You know, we tend to think of worship, you know, we lift our hands, we sing, we clap, we bow. But notice here, it talks about spiritual worship. And it says that it's making a decisive decision and dedicating your body to God. And it mentions all of your members and faculties. When you became a Christian, your spirit became a Christian. Your body is crazy. Your body is a heathen body. In fact, one of the questions that I might take during this is, uh, why do spiritual leaders fall? And one of the main reasons is we think that a Billy Graham or someone like that, that they don't have all the same temptations that you have. But it doesn't, Billy Graham's body was just as crazy as your body. Your body doesn't get saved, right? Your spirit gets saved. And your soul or your mind is in a process Being saved. So, what the Bible is telling us here is you need to dedicate your body to God. Now, notice it says to make a decisive dedication. Now, it's not just a one time thing, it's probably an everyday thing, right? That you present your body to God. And you recognize that if you would listen to your body, your body will have you doing crazy things. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, the Apostle Paul says, I discipline my body, I bring it. Your body is not you. Your body is it. Your body is the house that the real you lives in. He said, I bring it, my body, into subjection. At least when I preach to others, I myself could become a castaway or disqualified. Paul had problems with his body. David had, David, I like to say it this way, David was God's best man. He had problems with his body. Solomon was God's wisest man. He had some problems with his body. Samson was God's strongest man, and he had some problems with his body. I just got an idea that both you and I, we're going to have problems with our body. And the Bible says, what do you do with it? You present it to God. All of the members, all of his faculties, you say, God, I give you my body, and I'm going to serve you with my body, and my body is not going to run my life. So that's verse one. Verse two, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transformed. Uh, we get it, our word metamorphosis from this word transform. It's like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. By the renewing of your mind, that's the King James. The, the the more modern translations will say it like this, by changing the way you think or changing your mind. Your mind or your soul did not get saved when you became a Christian. James chapter one, verse 21 says, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. So what can save your soul? God's word can save your soul. And he's talking to Christians. Now, often, you know, somebody receives Jesus and we say, oh, there's, you know, six souls got saved. No, six spirits got saved. Souls only get saved when you receive the engrafted word. So David in Psalms 119 and verse 128, he said, therefore, all your precepts, concerning all things I consider to be right. And I hate every false way. So David is saying, God, every time you talk about something, you're right. God, you're right about forgiveness. You're right about how to treat my spouse. You're right about how to raise kids. You're right about what to do with my money. You're right about everything. In fact, David said, I look at what you said, and God, I recognize you're right about everything. And I hate every false way. He said, any way that goes against God's way is a false way. Right? God's right. So James 1.21 again says, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. You know, we have a, we have a family farm up by, by Cadillac. And uh, before we purchased this farm, the previous owners of the farm had planted a, a orchard. And uh, the ground's not the best for, for an orchard. And so what they did is they took crab apples, right? Which are like the most, how would we say it, robust of all apples, right? They'll grow any place, in any soil. And they planted crab apple trees, right? And then the plan was to engraft. You say, what does that mean? Well, you you take a branch off of that tree that's growing and you cut it out very carefully. And then you stick in like a Fuji apple, or a Gala apple, or what is the what are those crisp ones, the ones I love? Honey crisp. Yeah, we even tried that, you know, you stick in some honey crisp. And what will happen, it'll grow what you put in it, but you've got to cut out the old. So it's got the robust root, but yet you put something else in. Now, the Bible says that's what you do with your thinking. See, when you find when God says something and it's different than what you're doing, the Bible says you cut out what you've been thinking. You get rid of it. We call that repentance. You you throw that thing out. But then you put in what God says about it. That's what David says. says, Everything you talk about God, you're right. But James says what we've got to do is we've got to cut something out. And then we put the new in. And it's interesting, you know, when they put that new in, they just don't put it there. I mean they wrap it really, really carefully so that it's going to take. We were, we were uh, reading, I think it was this morning, Jeannie and I were reading about how when uh, the children of Israel were coming into the, the promised land, God said, you take every one of their altars and you tear it down. But then he says, you build an altar to me in its place. Right? So it's not just about getting rid of the old, it's about putting the new in place. So the Bible says that's renewing your mind or changing the way that you think. In Isaiah 55, God says, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while it is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. So think about this. We tend to look at somebody and say, well, they're not doing it God's way. They're, they're, doing, they're living in, a, in an improper way. But God says, you can be away from me in your thoughts in your thoughts. See, that's why when we believe something and we're doing something contrary to God's way, we need to get rid of ours and put God's in. So back to Romans 12, verse two, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by changing the way you think that you may prove what is the good, acceptable and perfect will of God. Listen, when you renew your mind, you know what the will of God is. When you renew your mind, you will recognize what is the will of God. And without a renewed mind, you will not know the will of God. And, and I, really, I really believe this, that if people would just get in the word of God and renew their mind, it would take care of 99% of all counseling. People say, well, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? How do I handle this? How do do that? When you renew your mind, everything changes. You know what the will of God is. So Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. And then you'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. Now it's not just reading the word, it is meditating in the word. So you, you read the word, but then you begin to apply it to your life. You come at it from every direction. And you apply that thing into your life. You meditate on it. You think about that word. Isaiah 8 and verse 20. To the law and to the testimony. If they don't speak according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. So our filter for everything that we hear should be the word of God. If it's contrary to the word of God, the Bible says there's no light in them. How do we know what to do? When we know the word, we compare it to the word. If it agrees with the word, we receive it. If it doesn't agree with the word, we reject it. Now, in 2 Peter, the the apostle Peter is talking about the experience that he and uh, James and John had with Jesus. They're up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses and Elijah show up, and they're talking with Jesus. The Bible says that his clothes begin to shine a cloud comes and God speaks from heaven. And God says, this is my son, listen to him. And then this is what he says. It says, 2 Peter 1, verse 19, we also have a more sure word of prophecy. So they saw a vision and they heard a voice. But he said, we have something that's more sure. What is more sure then a vision and a voice, your Bible. The word of God is more sure. He's saying, even if you have a vision, even if you hear a voice, even if angels appear to you and it doesn't agree with the word of God, throw it out. The word of God is our standard. Uh, when Israel had a king, it says that what that king is supposed to do He's supposed to make himself a copy of the book of the law, of the Bible that they had. And it says, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days or every day of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God. Now, it's saying, the king, he's got to make himself a copy. How many? They didn't have a bookstore. You could go buy a Bible. So he says, you need to make yourself a copy, and you're to keep it with you, and you're to read it every day of your life, that you'll learn to fear the Lord. You know what is missing today, I believe, in Christianity? It's the fear of God. People do not have a fear of the Lord, right? But when we get in the Word of God, it brings the fear of the Lord. So Proverbs 20 and verse 27 says, The Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Now you are three parts. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the real you is a spirit. You live inside your body, right? You have a soul or a mind. And again, you live inside of a body. The apostle Paul said about his body, he says, I bring it into subjection. You see, you are not a body. Your body is it. Your body is the house that you live in. But the real you is a spirit. And the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. In other words, when God speaks to you, when God illuminates you, when God enlightens you, he does it in your spirit. God doesn't speak to your head. He speaks to your spirit. God doesn't speak to your body. He speaks to your spirit. So, so we need to recognize that and that as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So the number one way God leads us, 95% of the time, it's through his word. Second way I want to mention is desire. Desire. Delight yourself in the Lord, and God will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I can't overemphasize the first part. Delight yourself in the Lord. Now, when it, and God will give you the desires of your heart. This is not talking about a new car or a vacation to Aruba. right? This is talking about God putting a desire on the inside of you. In Acts seven and verse 23, it says, when Moses is a full 40 years old, it came into the heart of Moses to visit the children of Israel. Now he's been living in Pharaoh's house for over 35 years and he's, for 35 years he had no desire, but all of a sudden it came into the heart of Moses. Who put it in Moses' heart? God put that in his heart. He gave him the desire of his heart. Philippians 2.13, for God himself is at work in you. In fact, I'd like everybody to just say this, me. So he's at work in you, inspiring you to want what pleases him and to work for them. So God puts desires on the inside of you. And they are, they, that's literally one of the ways that God leads us. If If I look back over... Forty-five plus years in ministry, I can tell you that every single time that God moved us in a big way, it came through desire. It, that's how it came. It came through desire. So let me tell you, uh, I, I could I could tell you all kinds of stories about this. But when Jeannie and I uh, were first married, in fact, we we spent our our first year celebration of marriage in Mexico, our anniversary. We were, for our first year, we spent in Mexico. We were missionaries. And uh, we had started a church. We were living in a, in a very beautiful city, uh, Guadalajara, Mexico at that time, about three and a half million people. Gorgeous city. Uh, a friend of mine, Javier Gomez Rubio, was pastoring in Mexico City, and he contacted us. And, and he said, he said, I'm going out in the mountains of Mexico. He said, I'm going to be preaching to the mountain men. He said, it's just going to be so much fun. And he said, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to baptize people. And we're going to preach to the pastors. And we're going to do, he says, and, and, and I want you to come with me. It's going to be so much fun. And I said, okay. So end up, we, we, we uh, get up early, early in the morning, like in the middle of the night. And we, we drive in a four-wheel drive Jeep until the road ends. I mean, there is no more road. And waiting for us are these mules. Now, for those of you who don't know, a mule is a cross between a horse and a donkey. And the reason that they do this is because a mule is large like a horse, but it's sure-footed like a donkey. And there's times when you're out on these, these, uh, these trails where literally it's a hundred foot drop. And if you had a horse and you fell, I mean, you'd be dead. So they all ride mules. So they take some of our equipment, some of the men are carrying, a couple of mules had equipment, and then Javier and myself, they put us on mules. Right. And for the next 12 hours, we're going up the mountain, down the mountain, across the river, up the mountain, down the mountain, across the river to get out to this village called Buena Vista. Right. But uh, my mule was a pygmy mule. It, there was something wrong with it, and it had really short legs. And so literally for 12 hours, we're, I'm, I'm riding this mule like this. I mean, honestly, I felt like it was like doing 16,000 sit-ups because my gut was just like wrenching. I mean, I was just like, I, I thought I was, a, you know, kind of a, not macho, but, you know, kind of macho, but, man, I was like ready to cry. In fact, there, there 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 would be like indentations in the trail in some places, and literally, I would, I'd, I'd stand up and the mule was right? I'd go like this. I'm just, I'm mean, seriously, absolutely just like, get some relief. Okay, so we get back to this this I say back to, It's on the top of a mountain. Buena Vista means good view, beautiful view, and uh, it's a hundred and some degrees. There's no electricity. There's no running water. In fact, my first question when we got there was, uh, Oye, ¿Dónde está el baño? Like, uh, where's the bathroom? And they said to me, al monte. (laughs) You all speak Spanish. They said, said, the mountain is the bathroom, you know. So I I, uh, take off to take care of business, and I have an encounter with about a 500-pound pig. And uh, I come back. And I'm already freaking out, you know? I mean, these are not like mud huts. They're just like stick houses, you know? You can see in between the thatched roof. There's, there's, the, the floor is mud. Again, no electricity, no running water, no bathrooms. The whole place, it, it literally, it smelled like urine. And I went over to Javier, and I grabbed him. I literally grabbed him, and I shook Javier. And I said, Javier, I said, why did you bring me here? I said, this is not my ministry. I said, I belong in a city. (laughs) I said, with bathrooms, with running water, with electricity. I said, and we need to leave and we need to go now. And he said, we can't. And I said, why? I said, he said, number one, we do not know the way. (laughs) Get lost in the mountains. And he said, secondly, we don't have any mules. And so we're there for the next three days. Now, literally, it's like you start your service at 8 o'clock in the morning, go till noon, take a break for a couple hours, and then from, from about noon to 5 o'clock, you have another service, and then about 6 or 7 o'clock, and then you go till midnight. And when we weren't in service, we were going from hut to hut, and we are praying for people. They, they, they wore us up. But I remember after three days, we're getting ready to leave, and I climb up on that, on that mule, and I had a normal mule. I was praising God for the normal mule, and I started crying. I literally started to cry. I don't cry much. I started to cry. and But the reason I was crying was not because I was so glad we were leaving. It was because God had put in my heart that we needed to leave the city, move out to a village, and minister to these people. Now, there was nothing in the natural that would make you want to do that. You understand that? It wasn't something natural. But God himself is at work in you, and he inspires you to want the things that please him. I remember getting back to Mexico City, and I I said to Jeannie, I said, I said, honey, I I believe that God wants us to move out to a village. And she says, oh, yeah, God already told me. I'm ready. Let's go. 30 days later, we were living. We We had moved, and we were living in a village. But God put it on the inside. So the Bible says God himself is at work in you, not me, in you. And he inspires you to want the things that please him and to work for them. See, so, so God's got things he wants every one of us to do. In fact, in Ephesians 2 and verse 10, it says that God has prepared good works for you to do. Right? God has plans for you. And, and honestly, if you look at your life and you say, it's all about me, you're missing something. But when you start to delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you desires in your heart. He'll put them in you. Now, kind of changing the subject here, but the same subject, but just a different thought. In Acts chapter 16, it it says that uh, they'd gone through the region of Galatia and they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they came to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit didn't permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia stood pleading with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So the apostles are trying to... They're out preaching the gospel... And they think, let's go to Asia. And they try to move to Asia, but the Spirit of the Lord forbade them to go to Asia. And then they tried to go to, uh, where did they say, to Bithynia, but the Spirit of the Lord did not permit them. And then in the night, he has a vision. Now, here's what most Christians do. Most of us assume that we have a red light, that we're on hold and we're waiting for God to show us to do something, right? But what we should do is assume we have a green light. In fact, I hereby give you a green light, right? What the apostles did, they said, let's go over here. And when it wasn't the right thing to do, they were forbidden. And then they said, well, let's go over here. And when that wasn't the right direction for them, the Spirit didn't permit them. And then God supernaturally gave them some direction. Most of us are waiting for the supernatural right away. We're waiting for a vision. We're waiting for a voice from heaven. We're like, God, if you want me to give a $1,000, let three camels walk through the sanctuary. You know, We're looking for, we're looking for something supernatural, and then we're going to do something. But that's not what the apostles did. They continually made moves. They said, we're going to go over here. We're going to go over here. We're going to go over here. And when it wasn't the right thing, God gave them the red light. Right? But we assume that we have a red light, but you need to assume you have a green light. Now, let me give you an example. Jeannie and I graduate from Bible college. We didn't have any direction. The only direction that we had was, hey, go preach the kingdom of God. Go into all the world, preach the gospel of every creature. So we said, well, there's a lot of people in America. They've got plenty of pastors. Hey, let's go someplace else. Mexico was close. We didn't have a lot of money. So we went to Mexico. You say, well, where did you get your direction? Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's enough. That's all the direction we have. Go and preach. Well, did it work out? It worked out great. No, we started churches, saw people saved, healed, delivered. It was wonderful. But we didn't wait. We started moving. And, And honestly, I think what you do in the beginning doesn't really matter anyhow because God's just training you. He's just developing you, but you start moving and God will get you where he wants you to go. Being led by the spirit of God is like riding a bicycle. When it's not moving, it's very hard to steer. But once you get it moving, you can steer it. You start moving, God will move you. He'll get you where he wants you to go. But don't just sit back in a rocking chair and go, well, I'm waiting for a vision. I'm waiting for direction. Now, you delight yourself in the Lord. Pursue him with all your heart, and he will put desires in your heart. Then in Colossians chapter 3, in verse 15. Now, I'm going to hit this really fast, but this is super important. And It talks about the peace of God, the peace that passes all understanding. The devil can counterfeit a lot of things, but one thing he can never counterfeit is the peace of God. Colossians three fifteen and let the peace of God from Christ rule as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind in that peaceful state to which as members of the body, we were also called. So here's what it's saying, that God's peace is the umpire. So when you have peace about doing something, God's saying, you're safe. You've got peace, you're safe. You don't have peace, you're out of the will of God if you do it. Just that simple. Um, Pastor Daniel mentioned it an illustration. He said, uh, it's kind of like when you don't have peace, it's like taking a shower with your socks on. How many of you know you take a shower with socks on, it just ain't quite right, right? Now, it can look right, but you just know it ain't quite right. How I many you have had you, Everything looked right, but on the inside, you didn't have peace, and you did it anyway, and it didn't turn out well. I'm going to put all my hands up and my feet and my toes. When you've got the peace of God, God's saying you're safe. When you don't have peace, God says you do that, you are out of the will of God. Let the peace of God be the umpire in making your decisions. Then Joel, in chapter two, he says, it'll come to pass afterwards. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And also on my men's servants and my maid's servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. Peter quotes this in Acts chapter two and says, he, he changes it just a little bit. He says, it'll come to pass in the last days. The last days began on the day of Pentecost. And we are, I just want to tell you, we are living in the last of the last days. These are the last days, but these are the last of the last days. And notice, he says that there's going to be visions, there's going to be dreams that are going to take place. Uh, God can speak to you in a vision. God can speak to you in a dream. Uh, a few months ago, uh, I, had a, I had a dream. Now, by the way, when, when God gives you a dream, It'll be very clear, and it'll be vivid. Uh, I believe it's Job chapter 4 where a man has a spirit passed before his face, and he could discern its form, but he couldn't tell what it was. He says, I saw the form standing there. Uh, when, when something's demonic, it's not really clear. But when it's a vision from God, it's, it's crisp, right? And it's clear, Right? So, so, I have a, I, I'm, I have this, 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 uh, this dream, and in this dream, there's five men on top of a cliff, and uh, there's actually it's hanging out over open space, and there's five guys dancing around, and then this one guy says all the other ones, he says, get back, get back, I want everybody to look at me, and he gets out and he's dancing on the end of the of the cliff, and the cliff falls, and 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 this man falls, and I, I say in the dream. I said, is he all right? Is he all right? And they said, well, he will survive. And I said, who is it? Well, who was it? And the name came Now, it down. I'm, I'm absolutely positive it was a dream from the Lord. And he was telling me this person that I was, saw in that dream is going to be a fall. He's going to survive, and you need to pray for him. I pray for him almost every single day since that dream. God can speak to you in a dream, right? It can happen that way. It doesn't happen all the time, but it can happen. Now, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, in verse 1, it says, The child Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. And there was no open vision. No open vision. Now, let me just mention, there's really three kinds of major, three major kinds of visions, all right? There's a vision like we just talked about, what the Bible calls a night vision or a dream. All right? Now, notice it says here there's no open vision. Now, when the apostle Paul is on the way to Damascus, he's knocked off his horse. He has a vision of Jesus. And this is what the Bible says. It says, when he got up and opened his eyes, when he got up and opened his eyes, he had a vision, but his eyes were closed. Right? It was a spiritual vision. But there's also open visions right? In an open vision, your eyes are wide open. But what you do is you don't see into the natural realm, you see into the spiritual realm. So those are the basic three types of visions. But it says the word of the Lord was precious in those days, and there was no open vision, right? So, so Samuel is, is ministering with Eli, and it says, and the Lord called to Samuel, and he answered, here I am. Now, now Samuel at this time is young. The Bible doesn't give us an exact age. Probably about 10 years old, right? And the Lord called to Samuel. He's laying down. He's getting ready for bed, trying to fall asleep. And he hears a voice. And he ran to Eli and he said, here I am. You called me. And he said, I didn't call you. Go lie down. And he went and lied down. And the Lord called to Samuel again, Samuel, Samuel. And he arose and he went to Eli and he said, here I am. For you called me, he answered, I didn't call you, my son, go and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. What wasn't yet revealed to him? The word of the Lord. Now you'll find this all through the Old Testament. You'll hear where the prophet will say, the word of the Lord came unto me saying. Now listen, Samuel is lying down and he hears it and he runs over to Eli. He thinks Eli is calling him. To Samuel, it was audible. Eli probably wasn't very far away. He didn't hear it. But to Samuel, it was audible. When the word of the Lord comes to you, to you, it's audible, just like it was here to Samuel. And so Eli says, uh, go lie down. And if you hear that again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant listens. And the Lord called to Samuel again, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So to Samuel, it was audible. Later in uh, Samuel chapter nine, the Lord, that's what the Bible says. It says, and God spoke to Samuel in his ear and said, tomorrow about this time, I will send you a man from the tribe of Benjamin. He spoke to him where? In his, in his ear. To Samuel, it was audible. Um, I could give you a number of, uh, i tell you one story. I told, I told the last services. They kind of like this story. But I, and besides that, I haven't heard it in a while, and I'd like to hear it myself. So here we go. So uh, I, I've been saved less than a year, right? I'm in Bible college. And my first semester in Bible college, I started to date a girl. And uh, second semester of Bible college is going on. I'm, I was going to pick her up. She lived in 202 Martha House. Uh, and the, the rule was that the guys could be in the apartment complex, but you could not go in the room. So I, I'm, I am always, I'm notoriously early, all right? And she was notoriously late. And so I get there, knock on the door, and now she's getting ready. And so they let the door open, and I'm standing outside. But they had just gotten a new roommate for the second semester, all right? And so I'm standing there, and the new roommate is in the kitchen doing the dishes. And she thought, well, I wonder what her boyfriend looks like. So she was drying a dish. She walked out of the kitchen, walked into the living room, and just drying that dish, walked in. I'm standing right over there. She looks at me and walks back, drying the dish. And the word of the Lord came unto me. And I heard a voice as clear as you were hearing me. and said, she will be your wife. And I thought, I thought, oh, my. I thought, I'm here to get my girlfriend and my wife doing the dishes. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. So, so I, so my girlfriend comes. And I said, "What do you want to do?" She says, "I don't know. What do you want to do?" I don't. I don't care. I said, "Well, how about we go to the mall?" She says, well, "That sounds like fun." I said, "Well, why don't you see if one of your class, if one of your your dorm mates wants to go with us?" And sure enough, Jeannie wanted to go. So we get in the car, I'm sitting in the front, I'm driving, and my, my girlfriend's right next to me, and Jeannie's in the back. And we, we got in that car, and she started talking. Now, she'd been on a bus for 48 hours getting to Dallas, you know, and she was ready to make friends. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the front, and I'm rolling my eyes, going, Oh God, that cannot be you, that cannot be you, that cannot be you. No, 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 no. Oh, but here we are. <laughs> now, now, listen, listen. I never told her until after we were married. You know, don't let don't let somebody manipulate you. You know, they said, "Well, God told me." Well, you say, "Well, when God tells me, when will work out?" All right. So, uh, so it is now. Uh, one last, one last, one last story here. Okay, uh, Romans eight, verse sixteen. For the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God, right? God, this doesn't just happen when you get saved. This will happen continually, right? Where God will bear witness with your spirit. We would just call it an impression. You just get an impression. You're supposed to do something or an impression about I should do this. I shouldn't do that. Here's what happened. I've been saved Three months is going to be my guess. Um, I'm just reading my Bible and and praying, just seeking the Lord, and I get an impression, right? Now, when when I was 10 years old, eight years old, something like that, anyway, I went into Granville. And back then, there used to be five and 10 stores, five and dime, what we called them. Now, we have dollar stores. That's inflation, (laughs) all right? But it used to be five and 10 so I had gone to Pro's 5 and 10, downtown Granville. I'm like 10 years old. I rode my bike down there. And I stole some darts in a matchbox car. And I hadn't thought about it in years. But as I'm reading my Bible and just praying, seeking the Lord, I get this impression, you need to go and tell Mr. Pro's what you did and pay him. And I'm like, No. No, no, no. Why would I do that? That was before Christ. That was, you know, I was like 10 years old. This was, you know, that's a long time. No, 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 no. Okay. But it doesn't go away. So it's probably a week later. I get in my car. I drive down to Granville. I park behind Pros Five and Dime. And I remember praying, clear as the bell. I said, Lord, please do not let Mr. Pros be there. <laughs> and then I'm off the hook because I've, I've tried. So I go in the back, and right, right there, there was a, a cash register, and a lady there, and I said, uh, is Mr. Prose here? And she said, oh, yeah, he's right up there down the aisle. <laughs> so I, I go over there, and I, I don't remember if I had 20 bucks or 40 bucks or whatever it was. I figured it was worth whatever that stuff was worth with interest, right? And, and, and I, I got up to her, and I said, Mr. Prose, this is a long time ago, when I was just little. I came in your store, and I stole some darts. And I stole a matchbox car, and I stole a little knife. I says, and here's money to pay for it, you know, and interest. And he just backed up, and he looked at me, and he said, young man, he said, did you just become a Christian? <laughs> and I said, uh, yes, sir. He said, you're not the first young person who's been in here to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and for probably 20 minutes, he talked to me about the Christian life. And then uh, I tried to give him the money again. And he said, no, you just take that and give it at your church. And he says, you know, let me pray for you. And he sent me on my way. You know, just an impression. Just an impression. The spirit of God bears witness with your spirit. Right? Where does he talk to your spirit? The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And so often we are so busy and we have so much going that we aren't listening to what's going on down on the inside. Remember, it was the still small voice. It wasn't the earthquake, it wasn't the storm, but it was the still small voice that was God speaking to the prophet Elisha. And it's that still small voice, it'll just be an impression. But when you follow that, that's God's spirit bearing witness with your spirit. He does it immediately that we are the children of God, but it doesn't stop. It says it this way. I believe it's in Colossians. It says, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. In other words, the, what happens when we get saved, how he starts to bear witness with our spirit, it doesn't stop, right? It doesn't stop. But, but we've got to be sensitive to that still, small voice, that impression that he gives us. Hey, as you've been watching today, I'm so glad that you've joined us. And I want to ask a simple question. Do you know for sure that you're right with God, that you're on your way to heaven? The Bible says, we've written these things that you may know that you have everlasting life. Often I ask, do you know? And they say, well, I hope so. I'm trying. But Jesus said this, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, can come to the Father, except through me. Jesus is saying he is the only way anyone gets right with God. He's saying all of the good things I could do could never make me right with God. All the good things you could do could never make you right with God, but he is the way. So the Bible says, whosoever, that's you, that's me, will call on the name of the Lord. Now I'm going to pray with you and we're going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And this is the promise, we'll be saved. When we pray this prayer, when we call on his name, the way the Bible shows us, the Bible says we're going to be saved. Now, that means we're going to be forgiven. That means we're going to be a part of God's kingdom forever and ever. So I'm going to ask you, pray this prayer with me out loud. Make these words your own. Just pray and say, oh, God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again, victorious over death, sin, and the devil. And I give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I receive him as my savior and as my king. And I'm going to live for him. I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven. My past is gone. I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer, and you're right with God. And we have a book that we've written to help you keep on growing spirits. They wanna give it to you free of charge. All the information's right there on your screen. And I wanna thank you so much for being with us today.
0: If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, congratulations, you're making one of the best decisions of your life. We're so excited for you. Just like Pastor said, We'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv where you can have a copy mailed to you, download it instantly, or check out our audiobook. You can also find all these things on our app. This free book is a great resource as it's full of the practical advice and encouragement to help you live a life of faith. Claim your free copy today. Walking by faith is changing lives, and we want you to be a part of it. Your gift will help us continue to produce inspiring content that encourages people to change the way they think and empowers them to use their voice. When you sow into God's kingdom, He will pour out His blessing upon you just like it says in Malachi 3.10. There are three easy ways to give. Text WBF give to 1-888-364-GIVE Visit walkingbyfaith.tv slash give or click on the giving icon in our app. Thank you for your support. Thank you for watching. We'd love to get to know you better. By scanning this QR code, you can download our app, send us a prayer request, read our weekly devotional, follow us on social media, and so much more. To rewatch today's episode with closed captions, you can now find us on Rumble. We want to encourage you to spend time in God's Word, pray, and be open to what He might say to you. He's always speaking, and He's waiting for you to listen. Have a blessed week, and we'll see you next time.